Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. My name is Ben Standing and I host this podcast and cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you guys today because I cover the football team. That meant I spent my Wednesday morning out in Ashburn for OTAs. The, the football team was back the second week of OTAs. Today was day two of the second week. That's the day that they let the media out there. Today, out there with me was Sam Fortier with the Washington Post, and Sam and I just talked for a few minutes about what we saw out there today. We played a game called Interesting or Important. We'll explain what that means in a few moments, but we talked about, among other things, Chase Young, Taylor Heineke, um, Jamin Davis. We got into some fun topics. I think you guys will like that conversation. Um if you're interested in talking, hearing about the Wizards, I'm not going to get into that here. They are currently playing Game 5. I need to, in fact, get done with this so I can go watch that game. But I will be talking with Fred Katz on his Wizards After Dark podcast um, either tonight or tomorrow, depending on what happens in the game. So you can check that out. Of course, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes or Spotify or, you know, the deal anywhere you do your podcasting. And of course, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic or, you know, look, if you don't, you don't, I get it. But it's fantastic. The people that do, I appreciate it. I've got a story up right now. My observations from today at OTA, some of which I get in here with, uh, with, with Sam and we'll talk about in a second. And some uh, I did not. One thing that I did um, write about that we did, Sam and I did not talk about was the return game. I talked a lot about the return game last on last week's uh, episode, or not last week's, but the one earlier this week with Brian Mitchell. Obviously, when you have Brian Mitchell on the podcast, you talk about returners. Um, but uh, we, we got into uh, we got into some of that. But um, interesting today, Ron Rivera specifically named some people who who could be in the mix for the punt return job. The thing about it is that the people he named. I don't know if they make the team, but if he's naming them, I guess you have to consider them. And that's why it's interesting, even though we're weeks away from the 53-man roster projections for real, for real. Some interesting names to consider there, at least from the context of if somehow one of these guys is the punt returner, what does that mean for the rest of the roster? Um, In any event, uh, so just a couple quick things before I get going here. Uh, First off, Curtis Samuel did not... Uh, practice today. He was uh, on the side. Rivera said he has a little bit of a twinge in his groin. Didn't seem like it was a big deal. And obviously, you're going to be cautious with a guy like that at this point in the in in the in the process. So keep that um, keep that in mind. We'll see if he's out there next week when it's mandatory minicamp, uh, June 8th to the 10th. Chase Young, who we'll talk about in a few moments, was not out there today. Second week in a row, he's missed. Um, he will be there for mandatory minicamp, for what I was told. Um, if he wasn't, that would be a much bigger deal. But I anticipate him being uh, out there. So keep an eye on that for next week. And, uh, yeah, I'll be out there all three days uh, next week for sure. Um, so, um, look, we'll, we'll put plenty more to talk about. I'm sort of... I'll be honest with you guys. I just recorded this intro a few minutes ago, and somehow the recording didn't take. I'm having to do it again. The Wizards are playing. I really need to go watch this game. But good thing is I've already recorded the bulk of the episode with Sam, so you're not missing out on anything there. I do just want to say one last thing. This is off the topic of all these things. But a, a, a sad note, and I did want to at least mention, you know, one, one thing I, I, I try to do, especially early on in this podcast, and I should get back to it more, is 
talk about people that helped me um, during my during my career. You know, I, I think I'm in a pretty good spot at the Athletic, and, and I enjoy this podcast. But you know, you don't just get there on your own, and people help you along the way. And I try to highlight people that have been sort of bigger influences in my day to day life. But sometimes you come across people who a little more in passing that you know were helpful in some way along the way. And one of those people, uh, Rick Bonnell, longtime uh, Charlotte Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. Came to learn today that he suddenly passed away. Um, so sorry to hear that. My best to, to, to his family. Um, obviously, it's the worst news you can have. And, um, you know, Rick wasn't somebody that I knew terribly well. Uh, you know, he was up here, though, a couple times, you know, a couple times every season because the, the, the Hornets were in the same division as the Wizards and got to know him a little bit through that. The, the Hornets uh, beat on the road, not a deep group. Pretty much Rick Bonnell seemed like the only guy who traveled. And, you know, he, he was a, a an older guy who'd been on the beat for a long time. I'm not sure how many years, but as long as I've been around and probably a lot longer than that, he knew his beat inside and out. He had respect of his peers, of the team. Um, he, he could speak truth to power, whoever the coach was, and also, you know, give recognition where it was deserved. And he would also was the kind of guy that would help out other reporters. Um, like I said, I didn't have a, a, a deep connection with Rick, but we always we were always spoke nice uh, or cordial with each other and, and had some nice conversations along the way about the team, his team, the wizards, the league as a whole, or what's other things that were happening in the news, uh, you know, based things that were happening in Charlotte or happening here in DC with, you know, could be with the football team or what have you. And he was the kind of guy that would drop a note to you in, in, in a DM either because he saw something that you wrote that he wanted to comment on, or maybe he had heard something or just had a random thought. And, you know, it was always nice. And he's one of those guys that, as somebody who was coming up and trying to learn how to do this job, whenever he would come into town, like I would mostly obviously lean on people who were around me, but he was the type of, of, of reporter that when he would come into town, I would, I would observe what he would do and, and how he would ask questions and just his general demeanor. How do you stay seemingly as, 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 as poised and calm as he was and interested after all these years? It's I know this is sports and people think, well, I, I would love to cover sports and I'm not going to lie. It, it can be a lot of fun, but it's like any other job, right? It can get tedious and boring after a while and the grind can wear you down. And he always seemed to be into it. And, and, you know, I, I respected his, his drive and his desire and his, and the kindness that he showed to me. And from what I gather other reporters as well. So, so sorry to hear his passing. I did just want to at least mention him today. It was a bit, it was a newsy basketball day. Ship Mike Krzyzewski stepping down after next year at Duke, some shakeup in Boston and those are things that are important to discuss. And, and Coach K came up in my conversation with Sam, but I at least wanted to mention uh, Rick Bonnell here at the top of the show. Um, all right, let's get to my conversation with Sam Fortier. Like I said, we, we we both were at OTAs today. We got into some things that we thought were interesting that happened out there. And let's get to it. Sam Fortier joins me here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. And as promised, joining me here on the podcast, uh, he was also out at Ashburn today. The Nats weren't there, meaning the bugs were not were not were not bad, but the 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 the, the camaraderie on the sideline was good. He is Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. And uh are, are you uh, uh how are you feeling after your uh OTA? Are you worn out? Did you need to get like a massage ice down after practice, or are you like good to go? If if they paid me the NFL league minimum, maybe I would get a, a good body guy or whatever to, to kind of loosen up as the players do. But 
uh, on my current salary, I'll, I'll probably just, you know, maybe take care of myself and eat a hot dog or something. Right. Just get some icy hot and call it a day. If, if I did make like, even like an NFL minimum, I think getting like a regular m- massage would be legit. My back hurts like all the time. And my, I got like tight calves. Uh, I'm not like Davis bird times where I'm out four to six weeks, but like, you know, I, I I'm like one quick jerk away on my, um, with my calves from, from, from causing a problem. So, uh, uh, I, I think that would be good for body maintenance, but you know, it got to make a little more money than, than the current uh, situation. <laughs> I, I'm glad to know about your tight calves. Next time uh, we're on the pickup court, I'm going to have to try to cross you up. Uh, when, uh, when hopefully we get that going down at training camp. I, I was talking to somebody in the world of professional sports somewhat recently. And I was explaining that my back was bothering me. And they're like, what part? I'm like my lower back. And they're like, are your calves tight? And I'm like, uh, that's a weird question, but yes, they are. He's like, yeah, that's your problem. I'm like, okay. So, uh, not that have I done anything about it? Of course not. But at least now I'm aware of the problem. So wait, why, why are those two things connected? Uh, something to the effect of like pulling on your, if your calves are tight, it sort of pulls on your, you know, sort of, I don't know, somehow it's connected to like your lower back and like sort of pulls down from it. So I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, I, I couldn't pass any science class so i have no idea but uh, <laughs> you know that, 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 that's what i was told and i went to a chiropractor recently mentioned that and they said yes that person was correct so i'm like okay great wow i i uh i do worry long term about you know i just i feel like most of the time i i sit at my desk in my you know in my apartment and especially now during covid you know there's no locker room and you know, you go stand on the sideline, then you go back and sit at your desk. I'm like, okay, what, what are the long-term ramifications here? But uh, th- this is, I got to get some preventive maintenance in then, sounds like. Well, like on my phone, like I, well, I, by the way, people, we'll, we'll, we'll get to OTAs. This is more fun. Uh, we'll get to all that. Uh, but like on my phone, like I don't have a Fitbit, but my phone like keeps track of my steps and I go try to go walk. But there are some days where I don't, and I look at my phone like at night and it will say, I know this is not completely accurate, maybe, but it will say I walked like 400 steps. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, did I just literally sit at my desk all day? Like, what is happening here? So yeah, it's, uh, you, you got to walk and you got to stretch kids. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little tip from, from me to you. Um, all right. So let's get to this. We were at an OTA week two, but the second day that we were, we were out there, um, and rather than just say, so who looked good today and that whole rigmarole, I thought, let's let's play a little game. Ron Rivera has this thing where he talks about what's interesting and what's important. So I thought we would do that here. I've got six topics. We're gonna, we have to determine if this was interesting or if this was important. Now, how are we determining what's interesting and important? I don't know. Uh, I guess I would say important is important and interesting is just, eh, you know, sure. It's worth discussing, worth noting, but not necessarily something that defining. Does that, does that, that sound about right? Yeah, that, that sounds good to me. I think uh, to give a little context to, to listeners, Ron Rivera got that from a former Army Ranger named J.C. Glick, who's now kind of a CEO leadership consultant kind of guy. And I think Glick got that from, I guess there's like a, a business matrix or, or like you know business leader matrix that's urgent and important and there, it breaks down to four categories you know urgent and important important but not urgent you know things things like that so it's it's really kind of an interesting thing that i think he's adapted from the business world and uh i guess um, the best way to probably illustrate what's important uh is, is to launch in and give him some examples 
yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do that. Um, uh, all right, let, let's start here. Brand so Brandon Scherf talked today. That is not the question. If that was interesting or important, but obviously we talked with Brandon Scherf about some of the basic stuff you might imagine. Morgan Moses no longer being around. He brought up uh, running into Sam Cosme and and uh, like sort of getting his first like sort of look at him and his first impression was he had this great quote. He he said that he said that about like you know holy shit where did you come from? Uh, this you know huge tackle who, who can run pretty fast. But that's not that's not the real question. The real question, of course, with Brandon Scherf is. What's going to happen here? And when asked about what's going to happen with his long-term future here, obviously we all know the deal. He's on the second tag. If he doesn't sign an extension by July 15th, he's going to play the season on the tag. And realistically, that means the end of him in Washington. There won't be a third tag. The money's going to get out of hand and so on. So it's kind of important if you want to keep him around. So Brandon Scherf says, when asked kind of what are his, you know, what are his hopes and dreams about staying? He said, quote, I'm hoping we can work through something and get something done, but that's between my agent and the team. So I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about getting better these next couple of weeks and getting ready for the season and so on. Um, that he said he is hoping we can work through something. Sam, do you find that to be interesting or important? My gut reaction was important because when you consider Brandon Sheriff, what he means to this team, you know, kind of the stalwart, all pro presence that he's been, you think to yourself, they have to retain this guy. And I think that, that that's a totally reasonable reaction. But I'm actually going to say this was more interesting because this has been Brandon Sheriff's line every time he talks to any reporter over the last, you know, three or four years, however long we've been talking about his contract extension into their new contract. And to me, it's interesting because in early April, after Brandon signed his, you know, tag, his franchise tag, Ron Rivera said that, that he had, the team had not – re-engaged with Brandon's agent about a new contract. And, and to me, if I'm Brandon's agent, uh, you know, if you're paying him $18 million this year, if you thought he was worth it to tag him, that's maybe where that's around where discussions start. And, and if you're Washington and you're looking at, Hey, you know, what's our money plan for the future? Brandon's going to be 30 this year. You know, I think there are plenty of ways you can kind of equate whether or not you want to offer him that much money, which, which would be, I think by a million or two, make him the highest paid, guard in terms of average per year uh in the league so considering his injury history maybe you don't think it's worth it so to me i, I think it's unlikely that washington has has changed its stance or re-engaged in a substantive long-term contract extension talk with 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 brandon or brandon's agent so to me it was more interesting because I, we, we've heard him say that before we know his desires to remain in washington but i just don't see what could have changed in the last two months that would really give uh, a new complexion to contract extension talks before that July 15th deadline. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with the, uh, with, with the kid from New Hampshire. I mean, look, uh, look, it's great that Brandon Scherf says the right things and all that, but you know, actions speak louder than words. And I, I there's no sense. I haven't heard anything. There's been nothing else reported. I, I mean, like you said, this is, it's not just about these last few months. It's been going on for a, for a longer, for, for a lot longer than that. And there's no real signs of, of progress. Once they, once they gave him the tag and made his salary 18 million this year, to me, that was pretty much it. I mean, he's not going to take an average annual salary less than 18 million now. And there's no way you could justify paying him that kind of money. So I, 
it's interesting and we'll see what happens. I mean, I, one thing I thought was interesting was when he was asked if it's hard to not think about his contract situation, he said, I haven't, he said, quote, honestly, I haven't thought about it because uh, dot, 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 you, you got to be where your feet are. And what was interesting about that is that's another one of these Ron Rivera pet sayings. And I, and I think he even said at some point he may have gotten it from Rivera, but either way, I kind of thought that was interesting. Either he did it subconsciously dropping in one of Rivera's Rivera-isms or said it on purpose almost to be like, yeah, well, this is, you know, I've heard this line before and this is what I'm going to go with. I'm not focusing on this thing over here. Do you guys want me to talk about? I'm focusing on what I want to focus on, which is playing football and, you know, probably what else he does, hunt and drink bush light and whatever else. And God bless him. Um, That's all, that's all good stuff. I I don't care about hunting, Uh, but uh, good for him. And yes, that's why it's interesting more than it's important. I'm just going to go with the assumption he's not going to be on this team after this year but look if he signs a new deal before july 15th mazel tough to everybody involved and we will have one last thing to talk about but yeah interesting rather than important um all right let's get to you know what sam i've heard people are interested in quarterbacks let's talk about the guy that talked today that would be taylor heineke who um had a nice gash over his uh I, we only saw the big bandage because apparently he got elbowed in the face by a running back last week during a drill. Ron Rivera drops a Clubber Lang reference. Sam, did you, we, we always play this game with you and Pete Haley. Do you know what the reference is? Do you know what that reference is? The Clubber Lang reference? Uh, come on, man. I, you know, I, I might, I might be young, but I've seen Rocky. I've seen all of them. And uh, uh, okay, I know good. we probably, I know we probably don't have time for a definitive ranking on here, a definitive argument about which Rocky is, is the best Rocky. Uh, but you know, I, I do get the reference. Fantastic. No, Rocky three is great. I was listening to Eye of the tiger, uh, the other day, uh, when I, when I was trying to get pumped up, still a good, still a good go-to song for that. Uh, so good. Glad to hear it all. My, my faith in this younger generation is restored. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Heineke. So we're going to already have a little bit of a, of a, of, of a, of a twist here on this game. He said a couple things are interesting but that's not the interesting important thing, but he said a couple things of note. One, he said that he spent this off season gaining what he called a good 15 pounds, meaning he worked out and he ate right and all that stuff. Obviously one of his issues has been, he's kind of a small guy. He's only listed at, you know, six, well, he's listed at six, one, two, 10, but he's not, he's obviously not the biggest guy. I don't know if those measurements are completely accurate or not. Um, And whenever he's played, even when he's played well, he's gotten hurt. And obviously that's kind of an issue. uh, If you want to sustain a job here, the other thing he said, and I think this was off a question that that you asked him, um, was was regard to did your train did you train based on the fact that like you keep kind of getting hurt? Did like does that do anything? And he said, "quote Well, like we were playing Tampa in the playoffs, and I didn't know if it was if I was ever going to play again. If that if this is the regular season this year in the fourth quarter, I'm running out at the two yard line, and we have four downs to score a touchdown." I think that is kind of a change I'm going to make this year. Obviously, we all remember he famously dove for the end zone, made a good play, but hurt his shoulder in the play. Fortunately, he stayed in, but nonetheless hurt his shoulder. Um, so what of those two things, which one do you think is in which one which one would you classify as important and which one would you classify as interesting? Both of them are are, are notable, but I'm I'm making you pick what what if you have to say one's important and one is is just interesting, which one would you pick? And the two that I'm picking between are the good 15 pounds and the change in his play style. Correct. So I'm going to go the good 15 pounds is interesting because as a former baseball writer, I feel like I've been in 
you know, West Palm Beach, Florida, talking to guys about, you know, oh, I, I gained, you know, I showed up in the best shape of my life and I did this and I did that. And, and, and I'm always very skeptical uh, of, of body transformations. Can you, can you maintain that over a whole season? Can you ensure that that doesn't cause, you know, a freak injury, something like that? Like, I think showing up in shape is good, but I think it's less important than, uh, I want to say, so that's interesting. That's not as important as the important thing to me, which is the play style. And I think that Taylor Heineke, like he pointed out, he just always gets hurt. And, and that, to me, is the biggest impediment from taking his obviously natural talents against a Super Bowl-winning defense and, and translating them uh, into sustained success. And, and, you know, this might be a little bit of an obscure reference for most listeners, but in college, I covered a quarterback at Syracuse named Eric Dungy. And Eric Dungy was, was a similar sort of player. He was bigger. But every year he would talk about, oh, I'm going to run less. I'm going to throw more. I'm going to be more of a pocket passer. And, and every year I watched him, you know, really let his natural instincts take over in those big moments. So, you know, when they were playing Lamar Jackson in Louisville and they needed a big score, he tried to hurdle a guy, got hit, uh, you know, left the game. So it was just it was a, a cyclical thing of I'm going to make this transformation. I'm going to make this transformation and then not doing it. So to me. I'm not saying they're the same person, but to me, there is a precedent of a quarterback trying to change his style of play, but not being able to get away from the thing that brought him to the NFL. And so for me, can Taylor Heineke actually realize that difference? Can he stop putting himself in dangerous situations? Like he said, you know, that Tampa Bay one might be a little bit of an outlier, a little bit of a freak injury just because of the situation he was in and, and, you know, kind of the stage of his career that he was at. Uh, but to me, if, if you're going to make that more than a flash of a pan, you have to transform your style. So that, to me, is the important thing, the thing that I'll be looking for uh, when or if he sees the field in, uh, you know, in the regular season and, and obviously when he does in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to uh, continue to agree, but I, I would agree. And because, like, look, uh, getting in shape is important, right? And, and, and for a guy like that who's not the biggest guy, bulky up is a good thing. That's not, that's not a bad way to go. But once the game starts, instincts kick in. And if your instinct has been to be aggressive, I'll, I'll call it aggressive as opposed to reckless, the way he has played. And he and he said it himself. He didn't know if he'd ever play again. That's what made his story so interesting. Here's a guy who was on his couch, and now he's playing a playoff game against Tom Brady. And, you know, none of us had any expectations he would do well. He didn't just play well. He played really well, earned himself a two-year contract at a minimum will pay him you know good money this year like you know to some degree life-changing money uh for for a guy this year when, when you were making nothing on your couch and okay so that gives him a little more comfort so maybe he doesn't think he has to necessarily dive into that end zone but will he actually do that is the question there's lots of guys who you you, know, you want to say over the years don't do certain things and they just can't help themselves and it will be really interesting to see if he can actually do that can he actually change his style of play and look here's the other reality right he says he doesn't know if he's going to play if he was going to play again well we don't know the circumstances in which he would to get on the field right maybe ryan fitzpatrick you know gets dinged for a, a little bit and fits and, and heineke goes in and finishes off a game or whatever who knows if fitzpatrick comes back the next day heineke maybe needs to still show maybe he's still gonna think I, I may never play again by the way we don't even know if he's the number two quarterback right kyle allen could be that guy. I, I, I don't know what you think about that battle, but so like, I, I'll be curious to see if he can actually change his mindset. That would be significant if you can do that. Uh, so I, I agree. I think that's more important, but I will be curious to see 
if he can actually do it. Um, quick thought on that. Who, who's the number two quarter? If, if you if you think Fitzpatrick is the starter, who's the number two come week one? Yeah, I, I would have to lean Heineke based on recency bias, right? Because he played so well in that game, in that playoff game. And I think that's going to earn him uh, maybe a little bit of leeway and, and Kyle Allen's coming off that ankle surgery. But I do think that this is a genuine position battle. And, and, and for all the talk, of Ron Rivera's, hey, we're going to bring in guys for competition. I don't think there's really been many true battles. When I think back to last year, Sean Davis didn't get one starting rep at free safety, if, if I remember correctly, with Troy Apke. The only real battle, I think, was, was Wes Martin versus Wes Schweitzer at left guard, and Wes Schweitzer spent the first half of camp hurt. So I think that there's going to be a lot more true position battles uh, in camp this year, and I think that that is going to be one of the more interesting ones to me. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll just or, or important ones. Sorry, sorry. I should have, <laughs> I should have yeah. been clear. Yeah, no, I do think it's going to be a fun one. I, 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 I'm staying with Kyle Allen until further notice. While I totally agree that the recency bias on Heineke makes sense, and he had the best single game that any quarterback had Washington last year. Ron Rivera is a big Kyle Allen fan, so we'll see. I, I, I get it, and he may, Heineke may have more upside, and maybe it's more of a Scott Turner guy. But I'll go with Allen. But I'm open. I, I think it's gonna be a, a fun one to see, you know, how they play preseason or training camp or, or what have you. Um, let's stay with the quarterbacks. You're like, how is that even possible? You just uh, and no, we're not talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're not talking about Kyle Allen. We're not talking about Taylor Heineke. We're talking about Stephen Montez because. One of the things that was interesting at practice today was they, they, they spent some time doing special teams drills. And you see the, the usual suspects out there doing some of the things, Cam Sims, Troy Apke, DeShazer Everett. And here comes this guy wearing the quarterback non-contact yellow jersey in the mix, doing the various coverage drills and, and, and doing like a swim move against a tackling dummy. It's Steven Montez. Um, you know, a couple months ago, I had reported that like, they're looking at him in sort of a Taysom Hill type role or some way to keep him on the roster that doesn't involve playing quarterback. So to see him out there today on doing some of that work was notable. And then Ron Rivera was asked about it and said that part of the part of the thinking is <laughs> he admitted that, that Montez actually had COVID-19 last year. We didn't know that definitively, but I guess now we do. And that since he has he has the antibodies and he's been vaccinated or whatever that if they, if, if somehow he were to be available, like they, they could activate him to be available. Should somebody in another position go, go down. I, so I think this is, I guess, I don't know if it can rise to the level of important because we're only talking about Steven Montez. Sorry, Steven Montez. We're not talking about somebody who's going to start or maybe not even make the 53, but just for the sake of, of it, I'll say important in part because I wrote about this. So I'll say important, but I just, it was interesting to see a quarterback in special teams drills of nothing else. So give me important. Uh, but what do you think about uh, Steven Montez playing somewhere else besides quarterback? You artfully outlined already uh, hedging against my answer of interesting because he won't start because I don't think that this will be a situation that we'll see in a game unless there's dire circumstances. But I do think this is interesting and maybe even a little important insofar as it really illustrates, I think, Ron Rivera's love for position flex. Like I knew that he, he loved it, right? Like he loved it. Like I love, or I thought that he loved it. Like I love 
ice cream late at night. You know, like if I'm on the couch, like, okay, boom, like I'm getting a bowl of, of butter pecan for sure. But I think he loves it like more than that. I think he's maybe like obsessed with position flex. And, and we saw Troy Apke at, at corner, right? A couple of days ago, I was like, oh, okay. Kind of weird. Like this dude's played safety his entire career. Like might as well try it out because, you know, he's probably not going to be a safety for, for a ton longer. So let, let, let's, you know, give it a try. But Steven Montez at like tight end, uh, continuing this trend of you can't play tight end for this team unless you played some other position at, at some point in your career uh, is really, I think, testing the, the boundaries of what can you actually do with football players who have trained at one position only for, for most of their lives. Um, so I, I applaud it. I'm actually like very intrigued to see like, what happens uh, with Steven Montez and, and with this Ron Rivera uh, position flex obsession. Um, so I, I think it's tremendous, uh, but I, I, I don't think it rises above the level of interesting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, 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 I can't really argue. <laughs> I can't really argue against that point. I guess the thing that becomes that that could raise it to the level of important, at least for me beyond sort of, like I said, just sort of wanting to pick it uh, is like, does he actually, really start playing an actual position beyond just special teams. And if, you, if, if that were to happen and you somehow were to sneak him onto the roster in that way, you know, could he actually become some sort of a, a Taysom Hill type of a situation? I, I don't know if that's likely, but um, you know, probably not, especially if they're keeping three actual quarterbacks, but nonetheless, um, you know, it's a fun little, it's a fun little thing to see what happens. And, and, and it's the type of thing that I think fans could get excited about because it's interesting and it is, well, Again, it's at least it's unique. We won't use it. It's at least unique. Um, speaking of unique, there's only a, only one player has not attended either of the OTA sessions. That would be Chase Young, who also today was not there. Uh, Montez Sweat did come back for this time. He was out last week. Jonathan Allen was here last week. He's not here this week. Again, these are voluntary. Ron Rivera keeps reminding us of that. I'm sure he would like everybody there, but I think he kind of gets it. Uh, but nonetheless, Chase Young, not there two weeks in a row. Now, next week is the mandatory minicamp. I'm, I'm told he'll be there. I, if he's not there, we have a real story on our hands. But right now, it, well, I guess that's the question. Is it interesting that he has not been here for two weeks, or is it important? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I, I had a roommate once who played college football, and he called these sort of, you know, he called these sort of things optional, which I thought was a pretty funny term mandatory optional and i think these quote-unquote voluntary workouts are optional right uh in the in the particip participation levels we've seen especially uh with ron rivera who cares so much about culture and about people buying in and loving football and, and all those you know quote-unquote football guy things um i i think this is interesting because i don't think it'll stop chase young from being one of the most terrifying edge rushers in the league i don't think this will slow down his development especially because chase reputation Chase has a reputation of being a guy that puts in the work, that shows up ready to go, that is enthusiastic about his job. If this were someone else, if he were, you know, out late in South Beach uh, and, and we saw Instagram videos of, of him at the club, I'd be like, okay, maybe that's a concern. But, but until he gives you evidence to suspect that he's not taking care of what he needs to take care of, I think it's interesting. That being said, you can make an argument that this is important because Chase last year, you know, became a captain as a rookie. He's a really important member of a defensive line room that without Ryan Kerrigan, they don't have uh, a defensive end 
with more than two years of experience. I mean, Chase Young is really the guy, uh, or, or Montez Sweat, I guess, but, but you are not going to be looking at uh, a room with a ton of veteran leadership. And I think Chase is that guy. So, so you can argue it's important, but I really, at the end of the day, I think this is interesting because Chase Young is expected to show up and ball out. Yeah, I mean, I think in the context of this season, this is only interesting. Case Young, as we've seen the workout videos, he's going to come in in tip-top shape. He's going to be all – he's going to, you know, chase quarterbacks. He's going to say all the Chase Young things. He's going to call guys dudes. He's going to do all the things that we saw last year and all that. But I will say that I think bigger picture, I kind of think it's potentially important in this regard. Um, I don't know – we don't know why – at least, you know, he's, he's, he's chosen to do this. Maybe he just decided, you know, he wanted to work out on his own. Uh, he likes Miami for, you know, he thinks running on the beach there is better than running on the grass in Ashburn. Um, whatever. He's taking the voluntary thing. Literally. He listened to the NFLPA and said, okay, I agree. You shouldn't have to go, whatever it is, but he is a team leader, right? We, we just went through this cycle. No more Morgan Moses, no more Ryan Kerrigan, Right. A lot of the locker room is turning over and not to say he's the number one guy, but he is one of the guys. And he arguably might be the guy pretty soon because of the fact of his status on this team. He is the main dude, along with a guy like a Terry McLaurin. Right. And if he if this becomes a thing that for, we don't know why, but if the his reasoning is something that he continues and now other guys were to follow suit, then all of a sudden uh you know maybe maybe we have a different maybe more guys are out next year now simply missing these otas is not necessarily that big of a deal there's a lot of teams in the league where a lot of vets don't show up at all so it's not necessarily like a big deal from like a they, they they can't win the super bowl because of this there'll be other reasons for that uh but i do think it could be important if it were to continue and his reasoning for this is something that other players suddenly buy into so I, I'll say it's interesting, but potentially important long, uh, long term. Um, I got I, you got time for one more. Yeah, man. All right, let's do one more here. Um, <clears throat> I'll um, I'll let you pick. A, we can talk about Jamin Davis in the middle, or we can talk about Ron Rivera's uh, mentioning of the return of the punt returners and specifically the people he mentioned. Which topic would you like to discuss? I'm going to go with Jamin Davis. All right. So Jamin Davis was back in the middle, uh, playing essentially middle linebacker. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, Ron Rivera, the position flexibility, and they said that they would try the linebackers in different spots, but it's been largely Jamin Davis in the middle. He's calling out signals. He's telling the guys, you know, check here, move there, that type of stuff. And look, it's only a couple days into it. And Jack Del Rio talked today and wouldn't give us too many, too many thoughts about what, what about the reasoning behind it. It basically said they want to try him out there and, and see what, and see what happens ultimately to have a guy with his speed, his athleticism, who could roam sideline to sideline, make plays uh, against ball carriers and, and, and defend tight ends and running backs or whatever in the passing game is a huge element. They didn't have last year and he needs to be on the field ultimately for three downs for this pick to work. But in terms of the base defense to have him in the middle is, is a, is a notable uh, as a notable spot. So uh, interesting or important? I'm going to say important with this and not for the reason that I think he'll play Mike come week one. Not that I think, you know, this signifies anything that they'll do on defense. To me, this is important because starting him in the middle signifies an investment into Jamin's future. 
when we, you know, kind of were analyzing pre-draft stuff, I, I know myself and I think some other reporters thought Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora, the, the guy out of Notre Dame, made a lot of sense for this team because of his position flex, right? He could play strong safety, he could play nickel, he could play outside linebacker. And I thought it was really interesting that Ron Rivera really narrowed his definition of position flex when he was talking about Jamin. He said, no, 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 we don't need guys that can just play all over. We need guys that can play the three linebacker spots. And so to me, when I think about Jamin as a guy that comes from Kentucky who mostly played off the ball, who has those traits to, to be, you know, the kind of linebacker uh, that can hang with those tight ends, who can be that, that uh, modern equivalent to a, to a Kelsey, to a Kittle, uh, I'm not saying he is, but, but I think he has the potential to be. So to me, this is an investment in saying, okay, you know, kind of, I think it's really analogous actually to the Antonio Gibson situation last year where they said, okay, we know what you can do as receiver. You feel comfortable there. Let's just put you at running back and make sure you understand, Hey, let's press this hole. You know, I don't need to cut this one back. So to me, I think it's important because it shows a long-term vision for how Jamin Davis will be used in this defense at some point. So, you know, if next year in the draft, you get a good coverage linebacker, you slide him into the middle. If, if, if you get a middle, you, you do it the other way around. I think this is just giving yourself the most amount of options and giving, you know, arming your players with the most amount of knowledge and, and tools to succeed moving forward. And, and so when I see him playing Mike, I know it's a little thing. I know, you know, I'm, I'm extrapolating pretty far here, but I do think that that, that is what that's symbolizing and I think that is a, is, is a promising sign for a defense in, in, in the Antonio Gibson situation and offense that really is, is not trying to put themselves over the top for one year. They really want to build a sustainable winning culture, as Ron Rivera said in his first press conference. And to me, the long-term investment in the full development of a well-rounded player is exactly that. Uh, I like the way you phrase it with the long-term. I mean, look, I, you know, during last season and, and when Ron Rivera would get into the, you know, the one position he seemed to call out a bit was the linebackers. He tried to soften that up in the off once we got past the season, but that was the one position you could tell he was concerned about. He is a former linebacker himself. And the reality is as good as that defensive line was last year, they didn't have the players behind it to, uh, to capitalize all the time. And, you know, obviously we know where Ron Rivera came from in Carolina, he had Luke Keekley and, you don't just get a guy like Luke Keekley, obviously, every day. But to me, it just like the line, that spot at linebacker was the position that made the most sense to me. If you just made me pick anyone without knowing who was in the draft that Ron Rivera would want to target somehow in the offseason. And they picked ultimately this guy. You know, I won't say it was like sort of a surprise pick by any stretch. I mean, I thought he could be in play. But like in terms of the broad discussion of of players, Jamin Davis wasn't always a guy that was at the top of mind for people at 19. And um, but it made sense because kind of uh, some of the reasons you just said, but Ron Rivera wanted one of those dudes. And this was that guy. So I think Ron Rivera, I mean, obviously he would be invested in any of these players that they picked at 19 but specifically this guy because of the position, obviously Jack Del Rio, also a linebacker. So yeah, I think to your point from a long-term perspective, we obviously get they're invested in a first round pick, but they're making it sort of, I think, clear up front. No, this guy is going to be the, in the middle of it all. No, no pun intended with the position. Like he's going to, we want him to be the guy behind the, these, these defensive linemen. And it's an important spot because I had a guy like Lou Keekley and we want to have some version of that uh going forward so yeah I, I, i'm with you on the level of importance it is important uh case closed no, nobody argue with us on that one 
Um, good job on that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm calling it short on the on the six because the Wizards game is going to start soon, and I need to go watch. But lastly, I only we only touched on five topics. Anything else from OTA? Whether it was interesting or important, or none of the above that uh, jumped out. We, we didn't talk about Fitzpatrick, which we don't have to. But anything else today from OTA that you feel uh, you need to uh, get off your chest? I think it's important that we did not disagree. We did not give the listeners the debate show that I think that that people love, at least that, that I can tell from from sports daytime TV now. So I'm, I'm a little worried that we left listeners disappointed that we didn't disagree, but I'm sure we can find something uh, to get mad at each other about at some point in the near future. Well, look, this isn't hard. You're a Syracuse guy. I, mean, just, <laughs> I don't have to go too far for, for this topic. Ironically, something that is definitely important is that uh, a lot of big basketball news today among them that coach, uh, you know, Mike Krzyzewski is retiring after next season. You knew it was coming at some point, but when it happens, it's a big deal. I grew up despising Duke still do. It is my, I, I don't have much sports hate or sports emotion anymore because I'm largely dead inside, but that the Duke, the Duke, the Duke sports hatred lives on at a high level. It's mostly out of respect because obviously they've been basically the best program in, in basketball for the last you know, 30 odd years and most of my life and, you know, miserable often because of them and beating Duke was better than beating anybody, but it's amazing legacy that Krzyzewski has. And it's still crazy that he's leaving and I will boo him mercifully uh, unmercifully if I'm at a game next year that he's attending, but big deal there. Now you are uh, a, a, a younger man than I, but nonetheless, Duke's been in your life. Your team is in the ACC. I presume that you can't stand Duke and therefore Krzyzewski uh, as well. Uh, I, I would actually flip that on its head. I think that uh, oh boy. Jim Beheim and I got into it in, in college uh, when I was a student reporter. So I, I would, I am not the uh, Syracuse supporter that, that maybe people would think having, having gone to the school, I, I respect what Krzyzewski does. I think that atmosphere is probably one of the best sports environments that I've ever been in. And, and I respect the program that he built and uh, the year that I was down there. Uh, they had Marvin Bagley and it was, it was such a, it was such a fun environment. I think like seeing him coach up close uh, was a, was a real pleasure. Uh, so, so I had, I harbor no hatred for, for Mike Krzyzewski. Um, and, and really, I think, you know, for me, maybe it's just cause I'm a, a few years removed from it, but I probably don't have a, a hot take on, on uh, that, that news. All right. Well, there you go. So now, 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 uh, now we disagree. I came out all hot and bothered by it and you're like, eh, whatever. So there, so, so, so there you go. I, now that I'm thinking about it, you just said you had a, a beef with Bayheim. We're not going to get into it now, but maybe I, maybe this is one of my off season podcast topics. I have everybody on the beat, come on and give me their, or give us their, their number one uh, beef that they had on uh, at, at some point as a reporter and, and share that. I mean, I, I can think of a few off the top of my head. So uh, yeah, that, that, that could be a good topic. I definitely want to hear about beefing with Bayheim because he's very also high on my list of people that have annoyed me for most of my adult life. And he, I, I hope somebody's got eyes on him. He's got to be Roy Williams retired. Krzyzewski's out. Bayheim's next. I mean, there's only, he's it. There's only, that's right. That's pretty much the next guy. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see when that happens. Maybe, you know, see what you can do about that when you've got connections up there. Uh, no, I, th- I think he's there for this year. Both his sons are going to be playing there. And, and to be fair to Jim Beheim, I'm sure it was, it was uh, tough at times to deal with, uh, you know, a big headed, uh, annoying college kid like me. So uh, I look forward to telling those stories on the podcast, but uh, 
yeah, I, I, uh, I, I expect him to be around for at least another year or two. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, look, I'm kind of hoping for it. Once all these guys go, I got, no, I've got, you know, I got, I got nothing left except memories. So that's not fun. Um, all right, Sam, appreciate it. Uh, go follow Sam on Twitter. He is at. Hold on. It's uh, at Sam four tr. S A M the number four T R. Right. Okay. I, I had it on my phone and then I lost it and I was just trying to go from memory. Um, go follow Sam, read him in the Washington post, of course. Uh, and uh, if you, if you go, and if you follow him on Twitter, as I always say, you know, be nice to people, even if he did go to Syracuse. Uh, appreciate it, man. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Many thanks to Sam Fortier for his time. Um, enjoyed that discussion. Uh, and like I said, you can hear more about, or you can read more about what happened at OTAs today. If you go to the athletic, check out my observations, got into some things we talked about and a few other things that we did not. And I expanded on some of the topics, including, uh, the Brandon Scherf situation, um, got into Sam Cosme, the returners, Samus Reyes, and some other things. So you can go check that out on the athletic. There's always a deal. We don't have a dollar deal right now, but there's always a deal there. If you go click on one of my articles, you can find something there whether it's 40% off or something along those lines. Hopefully there'll be something there that will entice you to join. Uh, But as always, appreciate you checking out the podcast. More to come. Uh, We got mandatory minicamp next week. I don't know if I'll do a podcast after after every uh, session, but hey, don't tempt me. (laughs) Um, But that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.